Shagger, hey girl, mate, you doing all right? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, you hanging in? Good, man. G'day, love. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you guys sitting down with us at here at Guitar Wank Podcast. Oh, and um, <laughs> I am your host through no choice of your own, Troy McCubbin. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This is going to be a fun one, and we're so glad you're here uh, to check this out. This is uh, the Guitar Wank episode. We have Mr. Joe Bonamassa sitting down with me and Bruce... Brewski? <laughs> Brewski. Me and Brewski uh, sitting down shooting the shit for a couple of hours. It was great to meet Joe. Cool bloke, nice guy, and uh, yeah, we had a great conversation, so... Go to the website, subscribe, um, get your mum and dad to uh, subscribe, get your sister, get your enemies, just get anyone you know. Go to the website, guitarwank.com, hit the subscribe button, and then email us at guitarwank at gmail.com. If you have a question, do this, because we get so many emails, it's really hard to, to go through them. Leave a question mark in the subject line. Right, so I know it's a question, and uh, we can make those questions happen a lot quicker. So leave a question mark in the subject line. But anyway, let us know that you've subscribed. Let us know that you've gone to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you leave reviews. You know what it's like. Reviews are everything. Oh, my mum. Sorry, mum. <laughs> um, reviews are everything. You know what it's like on the internet. You need reviews. So, we need reviews. I'm not begging. Uh, I'm kind of begging. But leave us a good review or leave us a shit review. Whatever. Lie. Please lie. Uh, Do that. And then, um, what was the other thing? There was one more thing. Oh, that's right. Tell us that you did that. And you subscribed. Yeah, you know. You know the deal. We're still doing the competition. We've got Bruce's competition coming up. Remember the 10 questions? Send your answers in. Have fun with it, and we're going to get some audience members on the show. They're going to come into Guitar Wank and uh, be part of this Bruce competition, Guitar Wank uh, game show, I guess he's calling it. Anyhow, Bruce is handling all that. Uh, Remember, we have mugs. It's coming up to Halloween, guys. This is a really great time to scare people and get in the spirit of Halloween, and nothing Nothing scares people more is like Guitar Wank merchandise. There you go. Buy a t-shirt, buy a cap, buy a mug, uh, get some coasters and pics. What a great way to uh, to show your loved one how much uh, you love them by giving them gifts of Guitar Wank. <laughs> there you go. Uh, big shout out to my mate at Left Coast Workshop. i got to say, uh, he... He sent me some pedals to mess with and uh, check out, and he's going to be releasing them. But uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Really great. The new uh, delay pedal. He's got a killer boost pedal and a 
distortion pedal that you can sort of blend with your clean tone. So you have your clean tone and blend it with your overdrive tone. They're all they all sound fantastic and uh, really good. But you can check them out. Look them up. Left Coast Workshop, and I believe uh, if you go to www dot not that you have to actually say that anymore, do you? Leftcoastworkshop.com. Go there, check out some of the pedals he's he's doing. He's he's making really great stuff. But I believe we're going to be giving away some of the pedals that uh, they're making over at Left Coast Workshop. So that's really, really cool. So definitely you guys will love them. Jim over at uh, Left Coast Workshop, he's making, he's making great stuff. And uh, yeah, so check them out. I believe he makes cables as well. But yeah, go check them out. Definitely worth a, a, a listen and a play. So we're going to be giving some of those away. Also, Wireworld Pro Audio Cables will be giving some of their amazing cables away. So... Uh, Lots of really cool stuff coming up, guys. Joe Bonamassa, Robin Ford. We've got Luke still in the works. It's all happening. Uh, but anyway, that's about it. So uh, please feel free to donate. I believe through some suggestions of our fans, Guitar Wank fans, uh, Guitar Wank is setting up some Patreon, um, I guess, links and stuff so you can support us in that way if you feel inclined. And we uh, we finally had Mr. Scotty Henderson <laughs> on the show again the other night, which is fantastic. And we had another guest on with Scott. It was, it was so great to see Scott and he's in amazing mood. The man is firing on all cylinders and he's off to Korea and a bunch of other Asian countries. So uh, he's going to the that part of the world. So if you are in that part of the world and you are listening to Guitar Wang, I thank you for listening and go see Scott play. And if you do go see him, go up, get in that motherfucker's face and say, where is your Guitar Wang cat, sir? Give him shit. Give him plenty, plenty of shit about Guitar Wang. <laughs> because we love him and we want to give him shit. All right, that's enough. Let's get into it. Mr. Joe Bonamassa sitting down with me and Mr. Bruce Foreman. It was a real pleasure, Joe. Thank you so much for your support, mate. And uh, yeah, and we will be giving away three three individuals will get to go to his house and see all his gear. We're going to give away three passes to his house. So that's really cool. Thanks, Joe. Of course, Joe just doesn't really know about that yet but i thought i'd just throw that out there and that might be fun to spring it on joe and say hey joe remember you said that and he didn't really say it but i'm making it up and that'll be fun anyway right joe (laughs) i'm sure he'll love that all right guys have a great one be safe and we'll see you all next week for another guitar wank episode thank you for all your support uh out
collection. I don't own any recording gear. I have just a... I inherited a studio with my house. And um, when I had a, actually inherited an API console and everything. Oh, wow. When I, when I bought it, and then my friends started using terms like black hole. And I was like, you know what? Nah. Yeah, this, everything's obsolete in a month. Yeah. And I don't record anything at my house. Yeah. And I don't want, and I don't want like... They used to make Rod Stewart records up in my house. They, they used to belong to a guy named Ollie Lieber. Oh, yeah. And, Lieber, uh, yeah. Ollie Lieber and then Keith Nelson from Buckcherry owned it for 10 years. Who's the guitarist in Buckcherry? Um, well, Keith was a founding member and guitar player and Stevie D. That's who designed that. That telly? Okay. With the, with the custom shop. Okay. Was the guitarist from Buckcherry. Probably Keith, because he's a telly guy. Yeah, yeah. So um, I always I was like, oh, it was the Buck Cherry guy, and I was always wondering who it was. But yeah, I picked that up, and that's funny. Wow, what part of town? I live in Laurel Canyon. Oh, okay. I live up uh, right where Lookout Mountain meets Laurel Canyon. Good spot. It's a good spot. So it's, it's convenient. It's like it was 15 minutes here. Yeah. You know, I can get to West Hollywood, 15 minutes. It's the most convenient neighborhood I've ever lived in. Have you lived in L.A. long? 18 years. Oh, damn. You're... No, just after September 11th, so 17 years. 17 years. October 01. Wow. I've been here 20. 20 years. Wow. You know what I say it is? It's a sunny place for shady people, but these are my kind of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting town, that's for sure. It's, Where um... else are you going to go? It's the big leagues. You know, I mean, the weather is just so badass. You can't beat that. No. Until it gets real hot. Then. Yeah, but like, I got a house in Nashville, and I go out there, and Me too. you go out on a hot day, and you just don't want to be outside. It's so. Yep. <laughs> it's it's horrible. Do you have a Do you have a Nashville driver's license? No, a but Tennessee. My, my missus had to get one because we're doing the Airbnb out there. Right. So we had to we had to prove that one of us well we lived there. So she right. had to get. Cancel the California one and get a Tennessee one. Do you it's have all, one? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's also good for Tennessee no state income tax advantage. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's all right. But I actually... Well, we, we're not recording this. Let's, no, let's, no, no, no. Let's, 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 <laughs> no, but, you know, to be honest, to be honest I, I do spend more of my time in Nashville than I do here. Right. When I'm off the road. I've been... My girl, she likes it out there. She's, she's a singer-songwriter, so... Is that what's, is, that's what she come to America for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. How'd you guys meet? I met her eight years ago when um, she's a, she's a friend, uh, her friend Stan Mares, who's a music executive. She was, she's been signed to Universal in Australia for almost 10 years. Yeah. And it's finally, I just got her out of that deal because wow. they're horrible. Yeah. How many great musicians do you know in Australia that just, they let, they sign up and they let linger and die and they, and you see them playing covers in a, restaurant yeah yeah that's that was her story wow you know? and she was stuck with that but she couldn't get out of it no they had her locked up and you know they had her locked up with the publishing they had her locked up with everything else and i'm like so we just we just got her out of that wow. sponsored her visa and now she's here yeah at least she's a free agent you know yeah yeah she could finally get a green card here yeah oh one visa first it's oh one and then the next step will be um green card yeah that's what i did the O one and the green card interesting they're making it tougher now which is yeah 
getting scary. Actually, I'm due to get my citizenship, and then I see they're trying to they're trying to make that hard too. Really? Yeah, for like people like me who have yeah. been here and want to get their citizenship. So madness. That's it's, why I'm looking at Australia. Yeah, it's a viable a good, option to live full time. Really? Sell the guitar collection. Get the hell out of here. Would you do it? I would do it in a heartbeat. If I if if I didn't once I once I decide that I'm going to shut this thing down and retire slowly. Oh, retire. I mean, you, you wouldn't, you know, yeah, because it's so hard to get anywhere from there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a, from Sydney, it's an it's 11 and a half hour flight from Sydney to L.A. From L.A. to London, it's about a 10 hour and 45 minute flight. So if you got, it's not as advertised, everybody says, oh, it's 16 or 17 hours. It's really not. You it's, know, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's a little longer than 11 usually. It's more like 13, but... But still, you know, when you're there, it's like to get to London now. There's they're 24 hours from London. You know, either either when you go west yeah. or east. Yeah. You know, and uh, most of our work is either the states or Europe, right? Right. So, I mean, even the West Coast is kind of a drag when you know when you look at New York or something that Nashville. side. Then you then you got naturally. Then you've got to the West Coast. You got three four hours. To Europe, you got five six hours. Yeah. You know, it's that's definitely the the sweet spot for our work. For my work, at least. Yeah. I mean, Nash- Nashville, they just did a direct to London, which is which is convenient. Wow. So. Then they help. Do they do direct from here? To Nashville? No, but I'm talking Burbank. Yeah, right. they do. They do. I mean, I'm, I'm on a direct to London on Saturday. So right. Something. Okay. But from LAX, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just came here from Germany yesterday. That's brutal. <laughs> would, you, would you go Lufthansa? Yeah, it's a, you know it's, it's not bad. It's Munich. It's it's about again. It's about eleven hours. You know. Yeah. Not bad. Well, Joe, welcome. Thanks. Welcome, Joe. <laughs> you're, you're, Let me know when you hit the record button. You're yeah, a guitar yeah. wanker. Well, it's it's kind of going. He just cuts off. Oh yeah, I'll just. You want know, you do? That information, and I'm all legit. So. Yeah, right. Don't lie. I don't you know. do anything non-legit. Man, how can anybody lie anymore? All they got to do is look at like Facebook or something, and they know exactly what you're doing and where you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, if you carry, you, if you carry your cell phone, yeah, they've actually gotten you addicted to your your the the one thing that they've always wanted to do is track every human track being. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. I got nothing to hide. I'm going to yeah. stop at the vintage car shop on the way back. Well, and then all the vintage car shops are going to start emailing. <laughs> yeah, that is that is an uh, that is an escalation for sure. Oh man, car. I swear it. No, this is true. I was uh, I had a gig, and like got some pasta sauce on my white shirt, right? And just kind of asked like some ladies there because I knew they had some really cool ideas how to get it out, you know, right. just because. The, you know they care about the way they look and um, and the, you know I was like oh, put some salt on or whatever put some blah 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 and I'm that's you know, so we're just talking about this shit and the next day I start getting emails for laundry detergent <laughs> I've never got, I have never gotten emails for laundry detergent before yeah you know it was so strange I had my phone off I had my phone off yeah um, you mean completely powered off powered off like like it is now for this for this right. and and. I was talking to Lee Thornburg, the legendary Lee Thornburg, plays with been playing in my yeah. band for a long time, and, and Lee's a watch guy. You know, there's there, there seems to be three things with with adult men that get into guitars. There's or or 
anybody who's ever picked up a Rob report, whether they, you know, it's either you're into some sort of car, which Lee is, watch, cigars, or guitars, and it's all interrelated. And I said, you know, I was, I was thinking about selling off some of my watches, and, you know, because I had a watch thing about 15 years ago, and I was going to see if I could find a used um, Greenface Submariner Rhymes of Folex. Uh-huh. And and he was talking about it, and, and he was telling me where to go and to where to look, because he kind of collects that kind of stuff and how to tell fakes and everything. I t- power up the phone. We're we're in Germany speaking of it. Power up the phone, and just to just for boredom's sake, you start looking at your Instagram. It's a Rolex ad right on your Instagram. See, phone listens to. I you. mean, I'm telling you, uh, you know, I just wish they paid more attention to my work. No, that's, yeah, they, they, everything's got to, they, they have to sell you something eventually. Right. They have yeah. to sell you something right. eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome, Joe. Nice Thank to meet you, you man. Thank Glad you, likewise. to get you on here. I know we've been talking about this for a year or so. Yeah. And, and yeah. now that I know you're so close. Yeah. Damn. Well, we'll get you back. 15 minutes and away. Provided you enjoy yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah which, which, which now, now your career goes downhill, mate. Yeah, this is it. Uh, you, you were looking for a reason to retire. We're probably going to give it to you, right? Oh, I, you know, I, I, keep, you know, I keep dropping the hints. You know, I, people look at me and they go, oh, geez, look at him. He's a lifer. Now, I've been doing this 30 years since I'll be, I'm 41, so it's my 30th year doing it. And everybody goes, you're a lifer. I go, not a chance. You know, really? Not a chance. There's no way. Um, you know, I watched my friend B.B. King, he, he toured him till about a year before he died. And as admirable as that is, and he loved it, and that's a personal choice. Right. I go, I'm not going to be that guy. I just, I want a second act. There's a something, there's more to the, to life than, than dragging your bags into the Hilton Garden Inn in Toledo, Ohio for the umpteenth time. Yeah. And it's is a privilege as it is to play live there's a whole lot of life that you don't live being good at your job being a touring musician you know at least in my you know in my in my case i have to dedicate 100 percent of my focus and energy and everything to, from eight o'clock to ten ten you know and it's all about eight o'clock to ten ten because those are the paying fans you know I, I owe them my very best so if I burn myself out going to a batting cage you know <laughs> or go-karting or whatever or decided to see the the great churches of Europe you know and then I get up there on stage and I'm not as good as I can be I feel that the people that have put me in that position are getting shortchanged so yeah. for 25 years as a touring musician I've decided to really you know, I'm a hermit crab when I'm on the road. I have the same routine. It's very, very simple. So ideally, you know, there's a point in time in my life, and, and I've thought about it a lot lately, where, where, you know what? The world will be a safer place without me overplaying over blues rock changes, you know? <laughs> the sun will rise again. It, it could all just shut down, and, and, and people will go on. And, you know what, I can go you know, decide to be, you know, make, make uh, leather chairs for a living or, or, or something else, you know, and because ultimately what drives my passion, the, the singular focus for God now 37 years since I've been, before I've been playing, is, is the guitar. 
And I can just go, I just go, what happens if I did that with something else? It would be fun. It would be, it would be like this complete second act, you know? As but you, to, don't you do, you have interests outside of the guitar, right? I do. And, and collecting and all that. Yeah, but that's all one and the same. I know, I mean, but outside of that, you have interests. Yeah, right? I do. I mean, but the problem is, is those are hobbies. And things escalate with me. I don't know why. I, I can't dabble. It's either I go down the rabbit hole or I, I'm not interested. You I, know? I relate to that. And, and, it's, <laughs> and it's unfortunate, you know, it's like... You know, to me, it's it's not a situation where I I would I would go, you know, you know, just keep lowering the key to the ballad of John Henry until it's four steps below where I did it when I was thirty. Right. You know, and 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 for the umpteenth time, I just I, I'm not that guy. I just don't have it in me. And I think the fans would see if I was mailing it in. You know, I think right now at 41, we just got done with our 11 show tour. I think our band, we're putting on the best show we've ever done. I think just everybody's, it's all hitting on eight cylinders. Everybody's inspired and it's as good as it, it's, I think, could ever be. Yeah. You know, um, it's seasoned, it's, 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 it's youthful and fiery, but it's also controlled. It's not a, not a reckless abandon. But there's a point where then that plateaus and then, you know, and... You got to do something now. Hold on, you just you just finished a big tour, right? I just did eleven shows in the U.S. We're about, I'd say, we're about seventy shows into a hundred and ten show year. We got about forty-two wow. left. So, if we had caught you before you started these touring, would you? Do you think your mindset would have been different? Absolutely not. No, no. I start every January going. We got one hundred and ten shows. <laughs> Be good for those. <laughs> Right. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's an, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm, I'm no. I, 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 that is not I get the it. point. It's a privilege to do, to, I mean, I don't have never had a real job. So yeah. I'm like some sort of like disgusting scofflaw, you know, I, I, I don't know how to do anything that has to do with anything related to real life. But ultimately, for me, it boils down to is it still honest? Hmm. And, you know, I don't want to become one of those people that just flogs their way through the second the, the, the second half of their career when they really should have only had one half. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, yeah. and, and it, it's, it, you start doing it for other reasons other than why you did it while you're four years old. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, and there's also people who just keep growing and doing new things and, you know, and love it more every day. I mean, like in my case... 100%. I can tell you that that's, you know, I'm always... But I'm always reinventing myself, so... Like you say, second act. I mean, I've, I've had 40 acts already. You know <laughs> exactly. What I mean? and, and I can tell you at my age, which is considerably advanced compared right. to yours, <laughs> um, I, I love playing more than I ever have. And love the music more than I ever have, and find something new in it every day. You know, so it's like that's great. So I'm not. I mean, just saying. You know, everybody's different, and and of course, I don't live in the same world as you, where it's like a show that I put on. You know, I yeah. have more of a free flowing, more like a nightly experience because it's straight ahead jazz, and it's built on more of a not show. Yeah. Show. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as if that makes sense. I've tried to vary up the the. What works, yeah. you know, and we, I just was talking to Tal Bergman before I came over here and we're plotting our yearly residency at the Baked Potato. Now those are great because it's not, it's not, I always say there's two guys. There's the guy you're talking to now 
who shows up in a cap and jeans and an old Ford. And then there's the guy in the suit and the sunglasses. That's a character. Uh-huh. That's, an, that's a, an extension of my personality, and that's a character. Now, I've tried to ex- vary that formula a little bit on the live side. People want to hear that. that uh-huh. You know, lucky yeah. are the few that find something, and you've got to give it to them. Right. And, you know, I don't... We stick to the parameters of a show. You know, my job is to entertain from 8 o'clock to 10.10. You know, it's about a two-hour and ten-minute show with the encore. And my job is to entertain and put on the best show. You know, I don't, I don't subscribe to the to the Yahtzee Cup set list. I don't understand that concept. Yahtzee Club. You, know, you, you mean just you, like pour dice and get whatever you get? Exactly. Oh, okay. Pour the same 15 songs out in a different order and, and call it a different show. That doesn't work for me. Uh-huh. Why? Because, because certain keys, now all of a sudden, if, if you pour out 15 songs in a different order, you have five songs in a row that are mid-tempo in the key of E. Right. How entertaining is that audience? No, no, of course. You know that's, I mean? that's ridiculous for anybody to even think but, that way. But there's, there's, there's a certain type of band and act that subscribe to that kind okay, of formula. Well, when I, wow. I've seen it. I'm sure you do. I mean, just it's it's kind of amazing to me. But but I learned from watching BB King and Paul Rogers and George Thorogood, and I would say all the people that were really really keen, you know, on consistency. You know, I would watch BB King tell the same joke every night, and it would be. And I did ask him one time. I said, "So what's what's the what's the advantage of doing the same show he goes he goes he goes it's your best he goes people in chicago and people in davenport deserve the same your best so when you find your best you stick to it and then you change it he goes because he goes you put on the that's the show it's showmanship and he started talking about frank sinatra and he talked you know about all these great entertainers and the word entertainer came up more than guitar player or singer mm-hmm. or songwriter. Yeah. It was entertainer. And it was the same thing watching Paul Rogers work and all those George Thorogood work, all those Peter Frampton, all those bands that were nice enough to take me as a support act back in the day. Buddy Guy. And you could when you look at the overall and you go, why are these why are these people here? You know, why is there a room full of people cheering for, you know, can't get enough of your love when they could probably wait 15 minutes on album-oriented rock radio and hear it on the radio. It's because it's engaging and Paul is, and that band and that group, these are entertainers and there's something, they're able to take 2,000 to 10,000 people and make it feel like it's just three guys in a room like we are. And I just, that's how I learned. And I was like, wow, it's really, it, it's a very interesting concept in, within music that there's all this sub stuff that you have to learn. It's like, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, you could, you could take a show, for example, we're talking about a show. You take a, you could, it's the same two hour show. I can write a set list that feels like some sort of death march through the, through the, you know, Panamanian jungle. It's like, oh, is this thing ever going to end? <laughs> and I right. can write a two hour show. That's full of up tempos and peaks and valleys and twists and turns. That feels like forty-five minutes, and you go, ah, there's a method to the madness. Oh sure, yeah. Oh, I, sure. But, I mean, and, and obviously, like you say, entertaining. I mean, and that's not necessarily a hallmark of the music I generally play. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I I definitely subscribe to that. I mean, I'm always thinking, you know, I don't have a set list generally, but right. I'm always thinking, you know, what's working? What's the right thing to come after this? Where am I headed in the long term? Where am yeah. I headed in the short term? There's landmarks along the way. If I'm not being particularly funny that night off the cuff, then I definitely have my licks that I'm going to use. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, so I'm, I definitely am not, some sort of stream of consciousness human by any stretch of the imagination. And I agree, the more, this, the more there are moving parts, and that includes audience, bigger audience, yeah. the more important it is to have a more definitive plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's also too with the size of the audience, it is like, when you play a place, you know, I'll play. I love, I love the baked potato. I think, right. it's a, I think it's a world heritage site. Yeah. Okay. So much so, I've, I've, I'm a sign collector, and I kept, I always chiseled Justin. I go, I go, sell me that sign in the back of the baked potato. That rusty thing is his baked potato parking. <laughs> yeah. Love it, right? It belongs where, where it's, it's where it belongs. Anyway, um, when you play a place like the baked potato or Maui Sugar Mill or any small club. That's when you really have control of the Ferrari. Yeah. Okay, you could twist, turn. The audience can hear. It's, it's nothing's mic'd, basically. It's, you could hear the ride cymbal. You can hear the guy drag the, you know, the drummer drag the stick against the ride cymbal. You can hear the, 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 the undertone. So you, you can get as complex as in, and internal in the music as you, as, you, as you want. Because every... Twist and turn is focused and showcased, good and bad. Right. Mistakes are just as just as elevated as the, yeah. the, the triumphs. When you play a bigger place, you know, if you play a thousand seater, or we, we just played the Greek theater, everything starts to get, you're starting to paint more in broad strokes. Exactly. And you, you simpler themes. Exactly, when you have to have a bigger plan because you're in a bigger environment, you know. Hence arena rock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everybody goes, wow, arena rock is just a bunch of, you know, it's it's real simple. It's bar chords and big sustaining rest. Well, it plays well to ten thousand people because because if you're gonna if you're a drummer and you're an arena and you have a propensity uh, or proclivity, depending if it's pro pro yeah. or con, I yeah. would ve- ve- veer towards the con of going over the bar line every eight bars going I let me I learned this at PIT and let me show show yeah. you how how I can I can ram seven beats into an eight bar measure that's not going to play to row double z at the staples center it's going to sound like you threw a drum kit down the, the stairs oddly in a small place it's going to be showcasing it ah, okay I get it you know and it's just a different school of thought. It's a different mentality. Totally. And and it's a and that's why you know, I, I get all defensive when people rag on, on, you know, arena rock or stuff that's skewed more towards a bigger venue. Well, it's because people are playing to the, to the type of venue that they're they're in. They're in, you know? yeah. And, and conversely, you know, it's like if you're if you're, you know, I remember when we played Smoky Blues Clubs, and. It was great because I could. I was putting yes song references in the music. I was there was no rules, and right. I had nine songs, and I could fill two hours. <laughs> it was a long. They they were broken up in like movements, not yeah. you know. And it was two verses. I'll solo for twenty minutes and see where it goes, and another verse and see where it goes. You know, and that was it. But to play 
to a larger crowd, to draw a larger crowd, it required these pesky things called songs and truncated melodies and melodies and and oh and arrangements it, and arrangements. planning and and timing oh yeah, yeah. So, so you have, was, because even with that you also have sound issues that you have to deal with and people issues logistic issues yes of course i mean you, you that really in, to me is what it's all about is understanding the environment you're in and dealing with it and you know and knowing where the when you have the moment to do this and when the moment to do that is and that's what i think truly uh, separates the successful guys from the unsuccessful guys. It's also it's also realizing and and figuring out the environment you ultimately want to end up in. Like when I used to open up for BB King in these great old theaters across the country, I was like, I want to play here. This is where I, I belong. You know, when I would open up for him, you know, at the Fox Theater in Detroit, I'm like, this is amazing. You know, and and I and I said, you know, eventually. Somehow I'm going to figure out how to get there, you know. And and even when I was playing in small places, in my mind I was tempering the act to play a theater size mm -hmm. venue, and the dynamics and the call and response. It was all designed to play well to a theater type of audience. And I it was it was just. 100% manifest destiny. I didn't, I didn't really. I didn't know I was going to get there. Didn't know how I was going to get there. But I was. In you were mind, on your way in, your, there. And in my mind, I was there. And that's yeah. been pretty obvious throughout your. You know, the the, the little. I. I mean, I'm not a, a blues guy. You know, I mean, I love your music. Neither am I. So. I love, According I love, to Reed. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah but, I gotta, but, you know, I mean, I am. Um, nonetheless, it's been very obvious. You. You know, you've myself. been very seriously rolling the rock up the hill, and it's really admirable how strongly your vision for that is, and how great it is that you've achieved all that you've achieved. I think, in my mind, you know, I'm an Italian kid from upstate New York <laughs> with a long chin and a weird last name. The odds are the, the deck is stacked playing music that's not played on the radio. You know, you have to. You have. You know, I've had the same manager for 28 years. He and I have been on this kind of journey. And we've played to the type of, the, the part of the music business that's the forgotten souls. The people that in the, in, when you go to Grammy parties and industry functions, those type of people in executive positions really for the longest time wanted us dead. You know, like... Can we just stomp these guys out? I mean, can we can we give them like two hundred and fifty bucks and a bus ticket to stop asking? Because it there was there's the haves and the have-nots in the music business. There's there's I don't know if you could swear on this thing, but 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 there's the have you, you can't fucking swear and <laughs> the go fuck yourselves. Yeah, yeah right. right. And we were the go fuck yourselves. Right. And you know Joe Bonamassa blues rock non-event to them. Okay, okay, yeah, he's a good guitar player. Can't sing, blah blah blah. He looks weird. Okay, so you play in what little clubs? We're not, we're not interested in that. Okay, fine. Well, the way we looked at it was when we would open up for George Thorogood or BB King or whoever, you know, that's the same kind of music. And you're going, okay, well, there's 2,500 people here for BB King. I'm not comparing myself to BB King at all, but I'm going. 
Well, in in Galveston, Texas, there seems to be at least twenty five hundred blues fans. Oh, yeah. Where are they? Where are right. They? Okay. So you guys knew that you you obviously knew through your experience. There's a market here that isn't being fulfilled. Look at Eric Clapton. Yeah. He plays arenas. Yeah. And for the last twenty years, most of the show has been blues. Yeah. Okay. For most of his career, it's been blues with yeah. a occasional pop hit. You know. And you go, well, there's 10,000 people for Eric Clapton. Well, clearly, in you know, Des Moines, Iowa, there's 10,000 blues fans. <laughs> Where are they? Right. And you go, okay, well, well that's, that's a good question, Joe. And how do you answer that? Well, then you go find them. Yeah. You go find them by either direct marketing to people that, that, that enjoy that kind of music. Now, with the advent of the Internet, that's been a lot easier. Or you, by sheer attrition, you come back to the market and you try to turn 30 people into 100 people, into 200 people, and so on, and so on, and so on. And that's how you do it. And, and you have to invest, reinvest in yourself. Invest in yourself and reinvest in yourself. Yeah. And because you could, you could, you know, the first time you pack out a place, you'd be like, oh, geez, you know, everybody gets a, you know, everybody's arms get longer to pat themselves on the back. You know, right. all went on his plan. Well, now what do you do? It's like, do you just, you know, you just go, okay, that was great, and we'll do it again, or do you double down? Right, you get bigger, and you try to get bigger, and that, yeah. that's that's what we did, step and repeat, and step and repeat. And I will say this: that the European market hit a lot quicker for me than it did here. And then I came back here in two thousand nine after we did the Royal Albert Hall for the first time, and I was looked at in America almost as a as a a lot of people thought I was English for, for years after Because that. of that. And I was like, cool. I don't care if you think I'm, you know, from Iceland. It doesn't matter to me. You yeah. know what I mean? It's the same. How did, how did you get Clapton with that? How did that all work out? I wrote him a letter. Really? I was booked to play a gig um, at a pool party mm-hmm. um, in Bahrain for the... For the, um, the prince? For the prince... Um, or one of his, one of the royal family there. Right. And it was to do with the race, and he was a big fan of mine, and we played the pool party. You have a pool. This pool is a little bigger than yours, but... <laughs> um, <I would> imagine. <laughs> but, but, but it's the same concept. It's a hole in the ground with water. Water in it, yeah. And so I met Eric there. Right. Um... And I also met a bunch of the race car drivers, and I'm literally, I'm just, I'm just this, at this point, I'm just this blues guy. And what blew me away to this day, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to, you know, pat myself on the back. What blew me away the most was, like, the, the Clapton is God to me. The, the, he can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite singer, songwriter, guitar player. Will always be. Yeah. And I've idolized him since very, you know, a very young age and I when I met him he was he asked me he goes so tell me about the baffle how does that work like he'd been watching my videos because I've been putting shields in front of my amp he goes because because uh, my sound guys tell me I play too loud and I turned to him and I I swear to God I'm just I I regret this I said I said you're a clap you could play as loud as you want (laughs) he starts laughing if I was Eric Clapton, I'd play as loud as I want. I, right. I'm just little Joe Bonamassa, and I play as loud as I want. I don't care. I don't, yep. Nobody tells me to turn down. 
<laughs> anyway, um, I was astounded that he knew me. So I'm like immediately flat-footed. So we play, and he was uh, nice enough to give me a compliment. He liked the song Slow Gin and everything. And um, uh, I met Jackie Stewart and his son Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were like, hey, you're playing the Albert Hall in May. You know, you should invite Eric Clapton to play. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll just invite the Queen and, um, <laughs> you know... The heads of state. Maybe we can hold the G20 summit at, right. at, at the Albert Hall that night. And, oh, maybe Brian May will get up and do one. And, you know, maybe we'll reunite Cream again. <laughs> yeah, and, <right>. you know. <laughs> Fine. Right. I'm like, I'm like Paul, how, how am I supposed to do that? Go up there and ask him. And he goes, he goes, he goes write, write him a letter. I'll get him the letter. So I, write, I hand write him a letter. And I send it to Paul. And he gets it to Eric. Months go by. Right. This was in... September of 08. Gigs in May of 09. So around end of January, I get one email. I used to have a Blackberry. End of January, third week, Sunday. I get one email from a very strange e looking email address. I thought it was spam. I almost didn't open it. And it just said Albert in the title. Right. I, I click on it. And it was him. And, wow. he goes, and he goes, basically said, as long as the as long as you don't pick out giant steps as the as the head, you know I'm 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 good, you know. Wow. So I picked up, you know. I in, in retrospect, I could have. He he probably he said he says I would have played a couple. I'm like, uh, you know, I was like, what do you do at that point? Um, but uh, I picked further on up the road because that was the first electric blues song that I'd ever learned when yeah. I was a kid, and it was his version, not Bobby Bland's version, and. You know, that was it. It was, he, he showed up. I mean, he's the most punctual musician I've ever met. He said, I'll be there at 4.30. He wasn't there at 4.29 or 4.31. 4.30. You know, he has, a, he has an apartment, I think, next door. So he, he, he could time it. <laughs> London traffic's not a thing for him. And, and I could tell you this about, I soloed the, the, the tracks. I soloed the tracks when we mixed the, the, the DVD. And... You know, you you pull up the guitar, and he had a he had a a new Eric Clapton Strat custom shop and a new Fender Twin. The all the stuff people online rag about. Oh, the Clapton Strats, blah 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 blah. Oh, those '57 Twins are not as good. Blah 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 blah. Okay, well that guy took a monster cable and plugged that Strat into that and that Twin. It sounded like the Blues Breakers to me. And you go, there's your sign. And then he steps up to the mic, no sound check, no monitor, and he's pitch perfect. There's Eric Clapton in a nutshell. It's how, all it's how, all in him. It's, how was it meeting one of your idols and and like doing that? I mean, I've met just about all of my idols at this point. Yeah. And he and I'm a character. I I I have a gift to gab sometimes to my own detriment. Um. He's the one guy I'm I'm starstruck and I'm I'm tongue-tied i don't know what to say to him right because the most surreal moment of my life to this day musically has been during that song and that six minutes of further on up the road um when he he and i at the end were trading fours i'm going i'm <laughs> i'm playing back to him the shit that i stole from him all these years right and he has to know it yeah it's coming back and, and but, you know, you got to think, here's a guy who's been the most influential guitar player in the world, you know, 
for 50 years at this point, this isn't the first time that that's happened. Right. And he's very comfortable being himself. And, and <coughs> I will say this about Eric Clapton. I owe him a debt of gratitude I'll never be able to repay mm. because it was that moment that really solidified my reputation and jettisoned me out of the canon um, for the next decade. Yeah. And that was, that was it. And it wasn't a guarantee that that DVD was going to be played on PBS. It wasn't a guarantee that it was anything. We, we put every bit of money that we had as a company in that DVD, speaking of betting on yourself, and we, we did it. Yeah. And we tried to take a loan out from Citibank to help pay for it. <laughs> and this was right after the financial crash. Yeah. <laughs> and they offered us like a $10,000 loan at some like Shylock rate that you would, you would get on Santa Monica Boulevard borrowing mush, you know, yeah. money from a Russian you know, pawn shop broker. And at that point, I'm like going, you know what? Live or die by mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, it's, that's really great, man. That's that was really it. That's inspiring. Wow. Really inspiring. Do you, th- do you think Eric? Do you think he gets who he is? Does oh yeah, he's self-aware. He, like he's self-aware. Yeah, you you have to be. He's an extraordinarily intelligent human yeah. being. And God, he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot, but he's also you know you have to you have to realize. I mean, when you're the number one guitar player from the '60s through present, and there's still nobody that's going to touch you. Yeah, it's like. How do you, how are you not aware of that? Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know, uh, this is, this is the thing that I, I, I'll never understand is, is with the advent of the internet is like you try to enjoy a YouTube video and then you're, as you're watching it or something like that, and you're watching Eric Clapton from Montro, you know, in 85 and he's killing it, you know, just sunshine of love with Phil Collins and Nathan Heath and their four piece and they're just having fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the crowd is loving it and you is watching. And then you just, you just, your eye, your, your right eye goes to the bottom right of, and there's like, like 780 dislikes. Yeah. And you're going, you know what, fellas, whoever's hitting the dislike button, why don't you try it? Yeah. Why don't you get off your ass and try it? Yeah. You play be- You play that stuff better, you know. And and it's like it's at the end of the day, you go, man. It's just music in the moment, and the band's having fun. The audience is having fun, and you're and not. And it's sounding great. And it's sounding. Great. And it's sounding fantastic. <laughs> and 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 all that was done for back in those days, pre cell phone, internet, things going viral, all this yeah. bullshit. Yeah was for the pure form of playing music for an audience yeah. who just happened to be there. Yeah. You know, and if because you're in Montreux and Claude's there and and you probably the side of the stage was full of the cats, you know what I mean? You got to think everybody from Quincy Jones was watching and stuff like that. So they're going for it. Yeah. You know, this is like, you know, it's my moment and I'm going to I'm going to take and all of that gets erased when people just watch it in a box and then start start oh man don't, keep, don't commenting get me, don't on get things. me started of course there's only a million, let, let, million let me episodes that leads this. me a good question because i mean you start what what age did you start basically playing more say pro what, 11 i was 11 okay 89 so since then and you've come up through all this probably what well, i think any style with when you're dealing with guitarists there's the lovers and the haters. 
And especially right. in blues, like you get a lot of hate and you get a lot of love. How have you dealt with that over the oh, years? And what's, what's, I mean, God. Speaking of self-aware, I mean, I, I'm the most polarizing guitar player probably going at yeah. the moment. At the moment. Yeah. And, you know, I'd rather be loved or hated. I don't, the worst thing you can ever say to me, it's like, it's just okay. <laughs> it's, it's fire nice. Right. I don't care. Yeah. To me, I've, I've had my, like going back to even bef when internet forums were being invented, I was the whipping boy for a lot of people. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. It doesn't affect where I'm, what I'm doing. It doesn't, it, it, I don't do stuff that go, oh my God, what, what, are, what, are, what are these people going to think? <laughs> right. You know? God. Because at the end of the day, of all of the millions of comments and all of the millions of views and all of the millions of everything, not a single person has come up to me and said any of that to my face. Really? Really? Not a single Whoa. person wow, that's has said anything shit. other than, hey, Joe, I dig your music, or nothing at all. And to me, when you post under, you know, Matchless Man 84, <laughs> okay, right. or, you know, Earthquake Devices Lover, you know, 11, and then expect to get a seat at the table... In complete anonymity, mm. I call bullshit. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, are you just an agitator? Do you really feel that way? And most importantly, you're spending time and energy on the wrong thing. If you if you want to be the cliche, if you want to be the, the guitar player who stands around the other guy changing the light bulb saying, I can do it better and faster, then fine. You're going to reap what you sow at the end. You're going to ultimately musically be unhappy. You may be a superstar in some internet forum that discusses whatever, mm -hmm. okay? But that doesn't add up at the end of the day. You, you further will become entrenched and bitter. And God forbid, if you ever put yourself out to be judged, you know, because I always say when I'm in, when I'm retired, I'm going to come back as an internet troll. <laughs> okay, That's a good and if idea. you think my songs got creativity, watch me work. Oh, because, please, please troll me first. No, because it, <laughs> at the end of the day, see, at the end of the day, there, there's certain things I don't get, I can't get my head around. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. There's certain things I do get that others don't get. That's fine. Yeah. It's, that's, that's the beauty of music, okay? What, what gets me is, is this, this bullying, you know? Um, I call it the loud minority. Right. It's the loudest voices. Only There's only five of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the people have spoken. Have they? <laughs> there's four billion people on this world. You're going you're, you're gonna, to... You're gonna, change your trajectory you're going to turn turn your car down a road because five people right you know have you hung with those five people have you seen how they live yeah. have you seen the kind of music they make or or what they do if you can't answer those questions you know then you know then whatever is that that going to especially playing the blues 
because everyone's got their favorite blues guy and yeah. like and you know oh he's not as good as him or he he he's just copying that guy or he's not reinventing himself like what what's your thoughts on all that discussion and you know because i know you've said it yourself oh i've got these eric johnson licks and you play the fuck out of them yeah i mean how do you feel about all that and the direction you're going the legacy you'll leave and what what's your thoughts on all that stuff I don't care about any of it. Right. Okay? I don't care. Yeah. Okay? I have, I have two loser medallions from the Grammys. Okay? Like, people don't, don't know. When you're nominated for a Grammy, you receive a medallion. It's oh, a loser wow. medallion. Really? When you, when you don't win, it's a loser medallion. <laughs> right. Okay. And if you look real close, you need a jeweler's loop, and it's inscribed at the very bottom. Okay? <laughs> Underneath the gramophone and, yeah. and the 72nd annual whatever... Okay, it says your star shines bright, but not bright enough. <laughs> okay, at wow. the end of the day, yeah, what your legacy is going to be? You know, it's like you're starting, you're, you're starting to see. Um, my favorite was not favorite because it was a horrible moment in musical history, but the most interesting one for me was, as far as legacy. Mm-hmm was when, when Mr. King passed away. This was three years ago. Yeah. And the comments and, and the people would, you know, you know, um, people paid, 99% of people paying tribute to B.B. King. And there was some articles being written, you know, guitarist B.B. King, um, who was never known for his vocals. What? What? <laughs> he was the best blues singer other than Howl Wolf. Yeah. And... You know, he's an iconoclast of blues singer. Yeah. Wasn't known for his vocals. You cannot control no. what's written about you at the end. I know there's a lot of people that, that try to position themselves to where they've carved their own statuette for the rock and roll or blues Mount Rushmore. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Okay? Because that's your legacy in your mind. Yeah. Not, yeah. not, not the legacy you leave. Now, if you if you leave a legacy of music that you're proud of and that you've touched people, and were able to entertain people and give them some sort of escapism from their own personal problems, or, or write a song that means something to them, then you should die a happy individual. Yeah. Okay. Fulfilled. Okay. However, how you're remembered when you're dead and gone, who cares? And it's not. A, you don't have any control over it. So you know you have yeah. control over the music. You have control over what you produce. Right. Shouldn't you be thinking about that and giving that the attention rather than yeah. what other... I mean, you know, you can't help but care what other people think. I mean, particularly your peers, your idols, your mentors. You know, there's there's people in your life that you really care what they think. <laughs> Ultimately, though, you still have to do what you believe in. Absolutely. You know, and my favorite peer comment is when they go, That guy... How did he? I just I can't I can't figure out how he did it. That's right, my favorite. Right. One. I love that one too. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Oh, that guy. I can't figure out how he did it. Right. That's my favorite compliment. Yeah. It's yeah. the best. Con- it's it's a. They're not giving me a compliment, but I take it as one. Oh, yeah. sure it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're talking about you, Danny Gatton. Yes. When when did how old were you when you met Danny? Met him when I was twelve. I was um, summer of ninety.
All right, guys. Well, there you go. That's our first part of uh, our hang with Mr. Joe Bonamassa. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was cool to meet Joe. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Stay tuned for next week. I was going to mix them all up. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's keep them consecutively in order. It's all good. But uh, that was our first episode with uh, Mr. Bonamassa. We'll keep it going. I believe we've got another two more. And then we'll get on to Mr. Robin Ford. It's pretty cool to hang out with these cats and, and kind of shoot the shit. It was, it was, the only thing that sucked about hanging with Joe was, actually, I don't even know if he drinks. I can't remember. Maybe he said that in the show. But anyway, uh, it was in the afternoon. It was like midday or something. It was early. So we, it wasn't drinking time. I mean, it was five o'clock somewhere. We all know that. But it wasn't well, it wasn't that deal. And he was driving and stuff like that. So I would love to get Joe back on the show. And maybe get a few into him, you know, get a few drinks into him, and <laughs> that could be fun too. Uh, all right, so uh, yeah, so stay tuned for next week, and uh, thank you again for all your support and your emails and your suggestions and your criticisms. We we love it all. We just love that you guys are listening and supporting us. So um, on that note, we'll see you all next week for round two of Mr. Joe Bonamassa, and uh, be safe. Look after each other. Let's keep supporting each other. Community, community, community. A big shout out to my mate Kippo down under. He's uh, going down to look after his dad in Victoria. Kippo, drive safe, mate. I hope uh, hope you listen to this uh, episode while you're on the road, traveling from Sydney to Melbourne. It's a hell of a trek. That's a good one. And uh, a big shout out to your family, mate. Lots of love. Big shout out to everyone else in the world. And we'll see you all next week. Take care. Be safe. And up like your bum. I'm of course, you can't go anywhere without not saying that. Up your bum. You can get the best of me. I'm so. Yeah.